Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and everything else. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. A couple days left in 2019. It's kind of crazy, but we've got a, a lot to talk about today. The topic is education and, wow, uh, some of the most surprising and underreported stories from the year in the subject of government-run education, K-12, through higher education. We're going to tackle it with Dr. Duke Pesta, but let's open up in prayer. Father, thank you for uh, just another day, another opportunity to receive your mercies, which are new every morning. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we pray, Lord, for hearts that are a little uh, discouraged or downcast or heavy this morning based on maybe something going on in their personal lives, but maybe something, the things that are happening in our country and culture, which uh, many of which are disappointing. Lord, please lift up our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and encourage their hearts. Give them that eternal perspective, knowing that you are sovereign over everything that's happening. And as many have said, things are not falling apart, but they're falling into place. And uh, you are not surprised by what's happening in uh, our world today. So we thank you, Lord. We are in this world, but not of it. We are here to be salt and light, and we pray that you'd strengthen us for the, for the days ahead and the year ahead, which uh, will be a, a big one. We pray that everything we do and say will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're talking with Dr. Duke Pesta from Freedom Project Academy and the Dr. Duke Show. And Dr. Duke, it's been a while. Thank you for coming back on Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, but glad to be with you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yes, same to you, sir. All right, we've got so much. But before we get into some of the heavier uh, news stories from the year, and I know you've got so much to, to share with us. I really enjoyed your interview with Sam Sorbo, and you guys were talking about the hostile takeover of K-12 through and college campuses, what's happening. And it, it was just a really informative uh, interview and I just thought, man, we, we've we've got. To, in fact, I shared that on my Facebook. But um, are you going to do more with her? And and how, how did you hear get connected with Sam and Kevin Sorbo? Well, we we have a lot of activist networks, and you know, we've I've interviewed with people, and people have interviewed on our show. And uh, one of our guests said, you know, you really have to get in touch with Sam, and that she put us together. And we had a great conversation. You know, Sam's a great activist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's making a movie, too. She, her and her husband are making Christian, you know, Christian-based movies. Yes. So I'm sure we'll have her back on uh, to advertise what she's doing. And she uh, said sometime after the year we'll be on her show as well. It's excellent. What a great uh, contact to have there. She's very, both of them are very well connected. And I give them a lot of credit being a former actor out there in Hollywood and uh, for them to keep plugging away. And I know you, you take a lot of hits when you're just trying to stand up for, you know, Christian principles, conservative principles. And I think most people probably know they uh, support President Trump. <laughs> so they're taking a lot of hits, I'm sure. But Duke, I, I want to get into some of the que- some of the uh, stories that you guys have talked about, you and Katie, and you have shared on the Dr. Duke show and on Freedom Project. You've done some great uh, segments with Alex Newman, which I really, really love. And that's one of them, which is the most recent, one of the most recent I want to talk about. This was surprising to me anyway. The lawsuit, um, the SAT provider, the College Board, they apparently, allegedly are selling student data and over 5 million students have been affected. I think a lot of parents would want to know about this story and where it's headed. Yeah, you know, it's one of the frustrating things about all of this is even on, we were on your show, what, seven years ago now, I think is when the first time I was on your show. And that's when Common Core had, had begun to get rolling. And we, we, we desperately tried to warn everybody that, you know, one of the, the most egregious, one of the most egregious aspects of this new federal takeover of education was going to be how your kids' data was going to be hijacked. It was going to be collected, intimate details personal uh, information was going to be harvested by all sorts of different entities now who at- attach themselves to the schools, organizations that you don't want any 
part of having with your kids. Like people like Planned Parenthood, for instance, mm-hmm. are getting your kids information. And so the SATs, the organization that uh, te- that gives you the kids the exams that gets them into college, we now have found out that, uh, and it's, it is alleged still, that the case is moving forward, mm-hmm. but there's a huge lawsuit from parents that are suing the SAT because it seems pretty clear that they have been harvesting and selling your kids' information to all sorts of different progressive marketing groups. Uh, and it really is disturbing. I mean, when you think about the access, again, that people like Planned Parenthood have to your kids in the mm-hmm. public schools now, uh, Planned Parenthood is writing curriculum uh, that with that nobody's vetting. Uh, not moms and dads aren't allowed to see it. They're not vetting it. That the schools are just adopting and using to radicalize your kids. Uh, this is the data is one big part of the problem. But as we've said many times on your show, uh, this federalization of education has so many pitfalls besides just your kids' privacy and data. And this is not just the SATs, from what I understand. You, I believe, were one of the many voices that you're trying to sound the alarm on the new uh, technologies within the government-run public schools that were, you know, whether they be a laptop or the new technology that was enabling the education system to get data on the students, on every student. And that was something that, that raised some eyebrows, but I don't think a lot of parents really heard enough about it. No, and we talked about this as well, that um, if, you, if you're out there listening uh, and you have a kids in the public schools, you should probably have recognized that your kids are bringing less of their homework home. They're bringing less of uh, their, their schoolwork home, that, that parents don't have a real clear idea what kids are doing in the classroom. And unlike 10 years ago, when you could walk into any public school classroom and, and get to see what the kids were doing, the, the schools were obligated to share with you, to let you see the textbooks and the assignments. You don't get to see that anymore. In fact, if you walk into your kid's public school and demand to see what, you, what the kids are doing in class, you're very likely going to be told you have no business seeing it. Uh, laptop computers, iPads, uh, all this technology uh, that allows kids to access technology in the classroom, technology that they don't always bring home, or if they bring it home, that you can't access what's on it. And so a lot of what goes on in the classroom, I would argue the, mo- the most political and tendentious and the most sexualized kinds of education your kids are getting. They're not, you're not going to see that at home unless you're a very, very involved parent. Uh, Dr. Duke Pesta, Freedom Project Academy, and the Dr. Duke Show, uh, we're talking about issues in education and some surprising stories that have kind of flown under the radar, at least in 2019. But in order to talk about some of these things, Duke, we have to go back a little further and address how we got here to this point where these stories are, are shocking to some people, but most of us who are somewhat informed and we knew what was happening we are just just disappointed, not shocked. But you brought up the issue of, you know, well, the data collection, the rights of parents in the public schools or with kids in the public schools, uh, parental consent, things like that, that's taken a hit in the public schools now. And a lot of parents are not informed because they don't know what's going on. And other than there are kids coming home and telling them what's happening, how can parents really find out some of these things that we're discussing today? Well, well you hit it on the head, Dave. <clears throat> one of the great philosophical shifts of the last 20 years that parents are not aware of is that the schools have decided, uh, and, it's, and when I say that, I mean, if, you've got, if you're a high school teacher out there, a middle school teacher out there, I ask you please not to be offended. I'm not suggesting that every classroom teacher has willfully signed on to this. What I'm suggesting is that the entire system, particularly the school administrators, from the principals to the superintendents to the state boards of education uh, to the federal education people, they have all decided now that the purpose of school is to really replace parents, not to work with them. The progressive educrats have decided that when moms and dads are the primary dispatchers of politics and ideology and morality and religion, then the schools cannot turn the kids into the kind of students they want them to be. So to where 25 years ago, Public schools were begging parents to help them. Now they're telling students, they're, uh, they're telling parents, stay out of it. It's not your responsibility. Uh, we, we, do not want our, we do not want public school kids growing up with your religion, your values. And so public schools have become primarily, and I mean this very specifically, if you think the, per- the primary purpose of your kids' public schools 
you believe that it's to teach kids reading, writing, and arithmetic, you are sadly mistaken. The primary purpose of the public schools from the highest levels down is now the re-socialization of your kids. They are primarily invested in turning your kids into progressives, into sexualizing them, them, into breaking down religious values, into making them globalist, anti-Trump, anti-founding fathers, anti-Constitution, anti-free markets. They are turning kids into advocates, not just exposing kids to gay, lesbian, and transgender ideology, but requiring children to become vocal advocates for this. Let me give you one example. Mm -hmm. Uh, a A school district in Fairfax, Virginia, just this last week, passed a regulation that will allow students, elementary, middle and high school students, middle school and high school students, kids as young as sixth and, se- sixth and seventh grade, to skip classes without punishment if they are going to protest. Oh my they're going to march in. If they're going to march in global warming protests, <clears throat> they're going to march in gay pride parades. They will be excused from school without consequence. I want to make sure people understood what you just said. Students are allowed to skip school. And it's permitted and probably encouraged if they are going to protest the environmental with the environmental movement or like a pride parade, LGBTQ pride event. Can you imagine, Duke, if Christian students wanted to skip school to go attend a pro-life rally? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> the uh, schools of our in Virginia have already said, Fairfax County, that the schools get to dictate, not the parents. What are legitimate forms of activism? And you said it yourself. That gay pride parade, transgender uh, storytelling at the local library, um, those things would be 100% welcome. But if you're going to a pro-gun march for the NRA, if you're going to go, uh, or if you're going to go try to support Donald Trump in his re-election bid, that's not going to fly. We both <laughs> know that. And the school administrator, the school board member who introduced this legislation, that's now been passed in Fairfax County, Virginia, says this is cutting edge, she said. We are on the verge of making history because we believe every school district in the country in short order will follow us and will excuse our children nationwide for the kind of protests we deem necessary. And this goes back to what I said a moment ago. The primary purpose of your schools is not to teach them reading, writing, arithmetic. It is to activists, to turn them into activists. This is advocacy education. We are educating kids to serve a very specific set of political and ideological assumptions. All of them are progressive. All of them are secular and atheist. And all of them run counter to traditional Christian values and the founding documents of this country. Do you see this spreading, uh, this what I'm talking about, uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, awarded Times Person of the Year. Now she's the poster child for young people and activism. Do you see this spreading in America? Like you already mentioned in Virginia, in other states where young people are encouraged to go out and, and to protest climate change and everything else? Well, it's already happened. Greta Thunberg is not new. It's new because she's Swedish <laughs> and, that, and that she's had the kind of impact she's had being a, 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 a young individual who is mightily abused in her worldview. Mm-hmm. But think about the shooting in Parkland, right? You had um, all of those kids, those activist kids, who were already doing it, right? They were lying about uh, Marco Rubio on stage for CNN. I'm talking about the uh, uh, that crowd of kids after Parkland who became radical left-wing activists. And this is three years, two, three years before anybody ever heard of Greta Thunberg. Mm-hmm. And this is it. And, and why does the progressive left recognize this? Well, think about Greta. You brought up Greta. Anyone, when you're dealing with children, the progressive left wins because as long as the kids are radicalized, right, and left-wing in their worldview, to criticize them makes you look like a bully, right? Anybody who criticizes Greta Thunberg is an anti-child bully, even when she stands up and lies, even when the information she gives is 100% incorrect. And so we, with kids, we don't hold them accountable to the same standard of proof that we hold adults. So kids can tell progressive lies in ways that progressive politicians or progressive leaders couldn't. And the, and the minute you criticize or even fact check those kids is the minute you're called a bully. And so there's a, a and you've got organizations like Time Magazine hmm. who are underwriting the insanity, yes. right? By giving, giving somebody like Greta Thunberg, who, and let's call her what she is, right? Uh, if, if you've listened to Greta in the last couple of weeks, 
a couple of months, you find out that the mask has dropped. It's not really about climate change, is it? That if you listen to her talk in the last couple of weeks, she's come forth and said, well, really what we have to do, she says, is to get rid of capitalism, to get rid of freedom and individual liberties. Right. So I've said this many times. I know you believe it's true as well. You scratch an environmentalist in this country, and what you find is a secular socialist globalist. Mm-hmm. And so even Greta now is, is parroting left-wing, radical left-wing globalist talking points, anti-religion, anti-freedom. Uh, and so, uh, you, but again, the minute you start to question her, the minute you start to suggest that maybe she's being used, now that, and also, Dave, this is the same group of progressives who are putting forth people like um, Daniel Hogg down in Florida during the Parkland shooting, right. Right? or putting or putting forth uh, Greta, who would absolutely freak out about Jesus Camp, right? When when not when George Bush was president, that they made that movie Jesus Camp about how pro- uh, conservative Christians were brainwashing their kids to become political activists. That was bad, right? <laughs> when you were turning kids into activist Christians who were you know going to pro life marches, that was child abuse. But when you're doing it to 16-year-old clueless Swedish girls, right, suddenly it's heroic. What's sad, Duke, is that uh, the media has jumped on that bandwagon as well. It's not surprising to us, knowing that going back decades and decades, the media is not only secular here in America, but they are progressive. They Then they've admitted it in their own surveys and from whether it's Pew Research or others that have surveyed the worldview of the media in America. I mean, there. I think it was like six or seven percent uh, said that they were conservative and uh, 90 percent were, for example, pro-abortion. Um, I think at that time there were over 60 that were supporting socialism or the, at least socialist policies, which is probably a lot more now. Um, I don't want to stray too far away from the issue of education, but the media is powerful and the media does in, influence kids the media influences public education. Um, is there a connection there that we maybe are missing uh, where the media has an influence? It's not just the, the school system, the curriculum, the, the textbooks, publishers and things, and the SATs, everything like, like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you just hit on one. The fact that when Greta, people like Greta Sundberg, with their secular, radical, globalist, socialist perspective, when they... Uh, use their platforms to trash traditional values. They're heroic, they're brave, they're the future, right? When Christian kids or First or Second Amendment kids or Donald Trump kids stand up and do exactly the same thing, they're derided, right? They're right. belittled, they're, they're called backward, they're called fascists, right? So, yes, I think that uh, there's a nice parallel here. When you think about the degree to which over the last 25 years, the American media has been radicalized, right? They have given up simply trying to report what happens, which was what their mandate was, simply to tell people what's going on. They abandoned that mandate for a radical social justice left-wing advocacy position, right? They're not telling people now. They're advocating. They're pushing people to one set of world view mm-hmm. at the expense of another. They have become agents of change and transformation, not reporters. Uh, when you think about that, it's undeniably true that that's what's happened. Look into your public schools, and you see our kids' education going the same way. The teachers, the administrators, the school board, the state uh, superintendents of schools, the federal government, they have all decided to use your children in the same way that the media goes about its business. Hmm. They are, and, and, and what's so insidious about this, Dave, is we're adults. We have the right to turn on or turn off MSNBC, right? Yes. If you're into that kind of garbage, then watch it. If you don't, you get to turn something else on, right? But our public school kids, unlike the media, they can't run away from it. Exactly. Right? They are, they are in, conscripted into these public schools from the time they're four or five years old. Then they're given a steady, one-sided, monolithic of, uh, 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 worldview when it comes to politics and, and the, what I call the sacred theology of secularism as it works in the public schools, unlike you and me who are adults. And, and we can do it to our kids. We can turn our kids' cell phones off. We can turn our kids off uh, ch- certain channels, off the TV, so they're not getting a skewed worldview. But you can't do that when your kids are in public school. No. We said earlier, you have no control over the curriculum now. They're not even asking your consent. They're not even asking you 
are letting you know that they're sexualizing your kids or radicalizing them. They're doing it without your consent. And when you do find out and complain, they don't really change anything. It's almost nothing changes. So it's not like you have a lot of impact in getting really bad things out of your kids' schools. There have been, as as we talked about during the break, there have been some small success stories uh, where parents have been able to successfully fight back a little bit. But that's the rarity. It's not the norm. Yes, it is. And we're going to talk about one of those stories when we come back. We're with Dr. Duke Pesta, Freedom Project Academy, and The Dr. Duke Show. And it is good news about what happened with parents raising awareness about a planned parenthood sex ed curriculum. But the bad news is what the content of this curriculum included and how it is in different places across the country. More surprising underreported stories involving the topic of education when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with Dr. Duke Pesta of Freedom Project Academy and the Dr. Duke Show, also a university professor, and he knows firsthand what's going on, not only in the public school system in K-12, through but at the university level. But Dr. Duke, let's go back to something we teased before uh, that break, that there is a bit of good news out of, of all places, Massachusetts, which is uh, definitely a progressive state, where some parents stood up and they have the uh, victory right now, at least uh, currently, against this Planned Parenthood sex ed curriculum in Massachusetts. And uh, so this is a good thing for parents, but let's talk about what was in the curriculum and where else that is taking place in the country. Well, yeah, it is a good victory, although it's not a, it's not a comprehensive victory for the state of Massachusetts. It's not like they, they've gotten rid of the radical sexualization. What they've done is they've turned back one aspect and one set of curriculum guidelines. They have not completely removed them. Um, and, and you mentioned that Massachusetts is as left-wing a state as we have. I mean, it's one of the two or three most progressive states. The only thing I can think of that would go farther than Massachusetts would be, you know, California and New York. So uh, what, what happened was is that parents got wind of, again, the, the school districts didn't tell them, the state of Massachusetts education people didn't inform the state that, hey, we're going to do this, we're taking this new curriculum from Planned Parenthood. It was all done without asking the parents. And it had been in the schools for quite a while. It was, it was, parts of it had already been in the school, was being used across the state when parents got wind of it because it was so radical. And they, a number of them banded together and some of the politicians took a look at what was being done in the schools and they were mortified. Uh, and so ultimately they were able to turn back, not radical sex ed in Massachusetts, but one aspect of the radical sex ed people's program, which would be a Planned Parenthood. Uh, and to give you an example of how radical this is, they, and other schools have already done this. This is not new. And by the way, the, the same program that Massachusetts rejected, uh, many aspects of it are already in states across the union, including red states. So we're not talking here just about California and New York. Right. We're talking about otherwise uh, moderate or conservative states, places like Colorado, which is considered to be kind of a purple state, right? A little bit red, a little bit blue. Uh, Colorado has, has one of the most radical sex education curriculum in the country. Well, in Massachusetts, one of the features now of what they're doing, and pe- the, the organizations like Planned Parenthood, is they're telling families that they're teaching abstinence education. They're telling moms and dads that the new curriculum is abstinence-based. But what they've done without telling anybody is they've redefined what abstinence means. To you and me, abstinence means teaching kids not to have sex, teaching kids the consequences of, of, of permissive, permissive sexuality, right? Disease and pregnancy and all of that stuff. Abstinence for us has historically, has traditionally meant teaching kids to not engage with sexuality until they're in a stable, committed, married relationship. Yes. Well, abstinence now in the public schools, according to many of the progressive educrats, certainly the people who are writing curriculum for Planned Parenthood, abstinence now means any kind of sexual activity that does not lead to pregnancy. <laughs> so they have redefined abstinency. So, so any kind of sex that is not uh, uh, intercourse that would lead to, that could potentially lead to a child, you know, t- traditional 
male-female sexual contact that would lead to, to the potential of having children. Any sex that's not bad sex is now considered abstinent. So you're abstinent now by engaging in forms of sex that can't lead to childbirth. And you think about how radical a definition that is. Wow. That your kids could be engaged <clears throat> in some of the most outrageous forms of sexuality, the most irresponsible forms of sexuality. And they'll call it abstinence because there's no danger of the female participant becoming pregnant. And you think about this too. By definition, homosexual sex is abstinence according to any definition. Right, right. And I, I want to direct people to the Freedom Project uh, Media Facebook page. There's a video on there, which leads to your podcast, of course, Dr. Duke, but it's titled Anal Sex Considered Abstinence in Sex Ed Curriculum. Now, some of our listeners might have cringed just now when they heard me say that, but that is just like 2% of the description if you would really want to know what the school system, what the left and progressives are re basically redefining abstinence to be, as you just explained. So if, if they are really doing this, I know some schools, Dr. Duke, do teach abstinence, but very few. I want to just get your uh, recent uh, just information on that. I know not a lot of schools teach abstinence education, but I was always encouraged when a school would start teaching that. But now I'm understanding that if they're teaching it, it might not be what we would consider true abstinence. No, no one's teaching true abstinence. No one's telling kids in the public schools just not, don't have sex, yeah. right? And, and, and you have to understand something, too. The reason we have what is called comprehensive sex education today is because of abstinence. Uh, back in the 1980s, you may recall that Ronald Reagan, his, his White House and his, his school board, his Department of Education, came up with an abstinence-only policy, right? We will teach kids in the public schools the biology of sex. We will teach them what conception is. We'll teach them how uh, biology functions with regards to sex. And we will then only teach them abstinence, right? We will discourage them from engaging in sexuality of any kind until they're in much older, more responsible and committed relationships, marriage. Uh, so the, this in the 1980s absolutely enraged progressives. They just hated it. What your kids are seeing in the public schools now uh, was, was born in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. The reaction from the left to Reagan's policies was to begin to work on what they called comprehensive sex education. That means that every aspect of sex, even what you and I would consider to be uh, perverse sex or dangerous sex mm -hmm. or dehumanizing sex, right? That all of that now was fair game. We're going to get rid of abstinence altogether. We're going to fully and completely sexually arm children, right? That's what, if you ask yourself, if this seems almost too crazy to believe, ask yourself then, what justifies having transgender people or transvestites reading to five-year-olds? It's this, right? This is exactly where you get comprehensive sexuality, that some men dress like women. And because some men dress like women, it comprehensive sexuality means we have to expose kids to that, too. And so what happens is that comprehensive sex ed becomes all about mainstreaming any kind of sexuality, in particular that's not what they call a repressive sex. They literally in the public schools have begun to label traditional heterosexual behavior as heteronormative. It excludes, it's discriminatory, it's, oh. it's biased, it's bigoted. To simply be a boring man who's in love with a boring woman and engaging in sex with her is exclusionary sex. In other words, how God so, created it to be. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> traditional um, uh, intercourse that leads to childhood is now not just considered to be... Um, um, uh, at, not abstinence. It's also now considered to be um, heteronormative. It is exclusionary. Mm -hmm. And so uh, here's how they get, do it, Dave. Under the, the guise of abstinence, they're teaching your kids anal sex uh, and exposing them to transvestites and transgenderism. Under the guise of this exact same worldview, uh, we, how do we fight bullying? You know, this, that's one of those hot buzzwords you hear in the public schools, right? We, 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 we are committed to fighting bullying mm -hmm. in the schools. And you think as a mom, oh, good, 
that means my seven-year-old is not going to be beat up by a nine-year-old for his lunch money anymore. That's what you think you when you hear anti-bullying. Right. Everybody's for that. But what anti-bullying really is now is unless we're teaching elementary school kids that they can be girls instead of boys, then we're bullying them, right? See, male and female bullies kids. The idea that there's biological sex and gender, that bullies kids who think they're transgender. That's what the bullying initiatives are about. It's not about kids getting beat up for their lunch money. It's about forcing kids to doubt that they may be the sex they were born. I think most of our listeners are aware of the fact that the LGBT um, agenda, the mob, has co-opted the bullying prevention programs across the country in uh, federal education. And one of the ways they get away with it, Dr. Duke, is they say it's for the safety of the kids and it's part of being inclusive, as you just heteronormative you just explained that but these are the some of the things they say who doesn't want to be against bullying who doesn't want to be inclusive or diverse now how can parents respond when they get this type of uh, feedback from an administrator someone a, a teacher or someone in uh, the public school system that says this is why we're doing these things well, I don't think there's much parents can do anymore. One of the, one of the, at least in the public schools, one of the things we tried to warn about over the years on your show was that once this was fully implemented and once the public schools had transitioned away from what you and I would call traditional education, education based on academic subject mastery, that's what school used to be, right? Our, the purpose of the schools was to make your kids good at math and science, be able to, to make your kids be able to read at a high level to make them perform well on tests and go to college. That's what education used to be. It's not anymore. The primary purpose of education, as I said in the opening segment, is to remediate what progressives think is wrong with the country. So one of the problems progressives have is that too many of us believe in God. So what have they done? They've created an anti-religious curriculum, right? A highly secularized, highly suspicious of God. Uh, one thing that progressives don't like is that most of the country, for a long time, has believed in traditional sexual values, right? That sex was buzzed between a man and a woman. That marriage is the only viable outlet for sexual contact. And progressives hate that. So what have they done? They've created comprehensive sexuality to undermine that. The progressives recognize that most Americans were raised to believe in individualism and um, hard work, individuality, and free markets, liberty. And the progressives don't like that. Mm -hmm. So they have created an entire curriculum whose job it is to collectivize and globalize your kids. Think about Greta Thunberg, right? And so everything that we as Christians hold dear, A, as Christians, and B, as constitutional, admiring, liberty-minded individuals, those are the things that are constantly under attack. In every class and every subject and every day, the curriculum has been warped to use, if, look, if, if, if we're going to give your kids comprehensive sex ed, it means it has to be taught in every class, in every grade, right? Comprehensive means what it says. We're not going to limit sex to two weeks of a biology class when they're juniors in high school. No. We're going to comprehensively teach your kids sex from the moment they get to school. And when I say the comprehensive sex ed, it, it, they mean what they say. Mm, it's yes. not just biology. It's not just sperm and egg. It's not just uh, how to avoid diseases. It's now advocating for all kinds of sexuality and sexual behavior, right? So we're teaching kids that anal intercourse is a healthy alternative to traditional male and female sex. We're pretending that the, the serious health concerns that goes along with that kind of behavior are actually not bad at all, and that that kind of behavior is somehow psychologically and intellectually and emotionally more healthy mm. than what transpires between heterosexual people. That's where we are, and that's what I mean when I said, go back to the beginning of the show, that's what I mean when I said every aspect of your kid's education has now become advocacy. The, mm -hmm. the purpose is not knowledge. The purpose is not college or career. The purpose is to train kids to advocate loudly and aggressively for all of these left-wing positions, whether it's sex or politics or government. Um, you mentioned government at the end of that and how kids are being trained to advocate. We can go back, I think, 
almost 10 years to when the recall of Governor Scott Walker in Wisconsin took place and they held the massive rallies at the state capitol in Madison, Wisconsin. And teachers were were there taking their kids in their classes and they were getting excused absences absences back then. And that was almost 10 years ago. And that was just to protest the governor. And I wonder if you want to just speak on that for a minute. If, if people are kind of going, no way, kids are not into advocacy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what happened when the governor passed Act 10 in the state of Wisconsin was unbelievable. They were using publicly funded school buses to take kids <laughs> out of public schools wow. without even consent, without even necessarily letting the parents know, removing kids as young as middle school from the classroom on a regular school day using publicly funded school buses to drive the kids over to Madison, where they were compelled to pro to protest Governor Walker. And and what happened what's happening here is, is the same kind of thing now. What would Fairfax County just passed and what they consider to be a model piece of legislation that the rest of the country will soon follow that will allow kids out of public school without any without even con- consenting to the parents. We we I mentioned when, when Tom and Cole is getting put in that one of the things you were going to see happening is that the schools were going to start providing really pretty radical forms of birth control, including things like abortion and the morning after pill. They were going to start providing that to your kids without consulting the parents. And lo and behold, here you are. If your kid needs a morning ab- uh, after abortion pill, if you've got a 14-year-old girl, a 13-year-old girl who's, who engaged in unprotected sex, she could go to a school administrator and she could get those resources without the school ever telling you that they gave it to her. That's where we are now, right? And so this is, goes back to the thing. This is advocacy. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're turning kids into – and what's so, what's, so, what's so insidious about this, Dave, is these are kids too young to know any better, like Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg is a tool, right, who's being used by her radical progressive parents for a lot of attention, uh, somebody who stands up and it, – it, it's embarrassing, right? These are kids. They don't know how to handle themselves. They screech and they wag fingers and they threaten. And heaven help you if you're an adult who dares challenge them on the premise of what they're saying. This is what they, they're using your kids as weaponized agents mm-hmm. to get their progressive worldview put in place. Why else would you have five-year-old children who are too old, too young to even comprehend something as complicated as gender? Exactly. Those five-year-old. Exactly. Five-year-old has the ability to comprehend on, on a meaningful level what that means. So why are you having transvestites, adult men, dressed garishly like women, all right, and parading a kind of, of, of overt sexuality? Why are you doing that to five-year-olds? It's not because you want to teach five-year-olds anything. It's because you want to militantize them. You want to make them radically, you're brainwashing them, right? And I've said this many times before. If, if this was a sober program, right, that we really want to be inclusive, and so we want five-year-olds to be aware that transgenderism is a thing, that's what we really wanted, why wouldn't you have the local transgender banker come in, right, and say, hey, this is who I am, here's my life. Notice what they do. They don't do that. They, uh-huh. don't bring, the, the, they, they bring instead transvestites who aren't transgender people. Van transvestites are just men who dress like women. And so you're bringing them in. Why? Because it's cartoonish, right? Hmm. If you brought in some banker, some woman who thinks she's a man with a short haircut, right, and a deep voice, <laughs> that's not going to register with the kids. Exactly. They, don't, they won't know what they're listening Good to. Good point. But some, but some may, and no, one, and no one in the country has pointed this out. I have never heard this opinion voiced anywhere. What if, if they were honest brokers, then they would bring in people like, you know, the mannish banker. Uh, but they bring in instead these garishly outfitted, radicalized, uh, uh, tra- what's the lack of a word for these people, these, these de- degenerates. They bring them in and they're, they're strutting around and they're, they're talking playfully and sexually with four and five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. This is what they're doing. There's no argument for that. This is not about inclusion. This is not about uh, kids, uh, letting kids know about gender options. This is just... Uh, it, it, using these kids as propaganda and radically indoctrinating them into a certain way of seeing things that fits left-wing agendas. And we're going to take a break. We're speaking with Dr. Duke Pesta of Freedom Project Academy and the Dr. Duke Show. And we should probably, when we come back, talk about some of the books that are also 
not just required maybe in the schools, but maybe recommended reading on the NEA website and things about uh, growing up with two moms and different things that kids are encouraged to read. Um, And what about bathroom policies? Uh, How many schools have gotten on the bandwagon, open to all genders and things like that? These are things that will affect these young kids and how they see the world and how they see what they're being taught as normal. Um, When we come back with Dr. Duke Pester, more surprising and underreported stories on education issues. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with Dr. Duke Pesta, and we haven't even mentioned the gender unicorn and <laughs> all these things. But we were talking about the recommended reading lists that are available and on the NEA, National Education Association, website Um, We know some of these books they're teaching in certain courses and there's certain classes, uh, not just in public libraries, but in the public schools where um, a young child will have two moms or two dads. They're normalizing that. And that also kind of might tie in with the transgender bathroom policy, because all this is about normalizing the LGBTQ agenda. Is it not, Dr. Duke? Yeah. And uh, take take textbooks for a second. Um, You know, people don't realize this, but. Think about what's happened with our corporate culture. Think about every time you turn on the TV, some major corporation now is advocating transgenderism. We talk about Gillette, right, getting in, getting in a lot of hot water for having transgender dad teaching his transgender daughter how to shave her face, right? And you think about this, even Chick-fil-A, which is a stalwart Christian company. You think about what's happened over the last six months. They're donating money now to to the Southern Poverty Law Center, one of the most rapidly anti-Christian organizations in the world. They are promoting transgender uh, athletes and other things. They've turned their back on the Salvation Army. Even even a obviously Christian company like Chick-fil-A has felt the pressure to conform to the new LGTB mafia, right? And so think about what's happening to the publishing, the textbook publishers. The great big textbook publishing conglomerates, right? Companies like Pearson, right? They have already done this. They have already conformed. So you think your kids are reading classic books in their English classes. They're not. Most of the classics of literature have been utterly removed from your kid's education. Instead, they're reading in literature class and history class and social studies class. They're reading these brand new textbooks that no one's ever seen before that have been written by LGBTQ advocates mm. and, and what the, what the textbooks are. And again, they use the meme of bullying, right? This is an anti-bullying curriculum, which means it is a radical pro-transgender curriculum, mm-hmm. right? So if you don't allow 15 year old boys to shower with 15 year old girls in high school, you're bullying the 15 year old boys, right? So it's way, way, way beyond Johnny's got two dads now. Right. That that's that that is almost like nostalgically tame compared to where we've gone with the kind of radical sexual advocation advocacy that's going on. And all the all the textbook companies, all of them, to a letter, all of them, have done exactly what the corporations have done. They have completely conformed to the this new radical form of education. And again, they call it abstinence education. When it's not, they call it anti-bullying education. When in reality, what they're doing is bullying. You've got a, uh, you know, you talk about bathroom policies, mm-hmm. uh, which have exploded. Uh, the public schools have gone all in on this, right? That in the name of include, because who would be against inclusion? Right. In the name of diversity, because how dare anyone challenge diversity? How, would, how could anybody be for bullying, right? This is where moms and dads get bullied into submission. So you don't want your 15-year-old daughters to be showering with naked boys of the same age. Now you're a bully. Now you're anti-diversity. Now you oppose inclusion, right? So they've, they've used your own, uh, your own sympathy and empathy for other people. They're using it as a rope to hang you. You, inclusion and diversity and anti-bullying mean what the left say. We, I, I have to say it again. It's the progressive left who has taken the word abstinence, right? You and I might, might know it as chastity, right, as Christians. What is, what, is cha- what is the Christian virtue of chastity or celibacy? Those Christian virtues have been rewritten as the secular word abstinence. Mm. And what is it? Well, even that now, 
now has been transformed by the left into all kinds of sex, right? Abstinence now uh, in the hands of progressive advocates is not about anything like it. And it's the same thing with inclusion. It's the same thing with diversity. They're using these words that, that, that resonate with Christian audiences, right? We want to be diverse and inclusive. We want to be tolerant. These are good, good Christian words, but they mean nothing. They mean the opposite of what they mean in a Christian context. Dr. Duke, I would imagine that um, our founders, um, or maybe let's not go back that far because they would probably pull out the muskets. Um, um, our grandparents or great-grandparents hearing that their grandchildren or great-grandchildren are being handled this way in the public school system, being told that now they have to change or go use the same locker room or restroom as the opposite sex, which really is what, what it is, I think they would have uh, really revolted to this idea. But I think one, I want to get your take on the athletics, the sp- sports now where there's uh, male athletes are winning, well, you know, transgenders, they're, they're winning in female sports at the high school level. And that's, starting to uh, rub people the wrong way, but I still don't see enough pushback to that. But are we going to see that progress, or is that going to come to a head somehow? Well, there is no pushback. The public schools, it's not the public schools who are fighting this. Public schools are all for it, right? As far as public school superintendents and principals and most teachers and the teachers' unions and the boards of education, they're 100% behind this. Mm -hmm. If you're a 16-year-old boy with a 16-year-old boy's body, and you decide all of a sudden you're a girl, you should be able to run cross-country or track for the girls. No questions asked, right? So there is no pushback in the system. You're right, it's beginning to rub moms and dads the wrong way. Some. There are a lot of young female athletes now who went from being champions to finishing tenths, right? Because <laughs> they cannot compete with the boys. And that, my friend, should be a clear indication that this transgender stuff is nonsense that the idea that there's no such thing as biological male or female. Mm. The fact that when boys decide they're girls, all of a sudden they dominate girls in sporting events, right? That tells you that biology is something more than just your gender preference. But they're willing to ignore those things because it furthers their agenda, their political agenda. All right, Dr. Duke, uh, we're running out of time. We've got about four minutes left. But one of the things you came out recently, uh, you and Katie, I believe, the new study found that a Common Core high school graduates are some of the worst prepared for college in the last 15 years. Not a surprise to most of us who knew what was being implemented and most of us who were informed at the time. But uh, one result of that I see in one high school alone in Indiana, it looks like uh, more than a thousand sco- students dropped out to be homeschooled. Can you give us a little update in a couple minutes on the damage Common Core has done when most of us thought, oh, that went away, <laughs> but it hasn't? <laughs> no, Common Core, by definition, and we said this on your show many times, Common Core was about lowering standards in the name of social justice, right? It's not fair that some kids do better than other kids. So it's not fair that some kids have higher IQs. It's not fair that some families have more resources to educate their kids than other families. So the purpose of Common Core was sociological, right? Like everything else we've talked about this hour. The purpose was to destroy high achievement in the name of fairness. This way we're going to have a system where everybody does worse, but everybody does worse. No one gets out of it now because you have money or power, wealth. And that's what they succeeded in doing. Uh, you mentioned what happened in Indiana. I'll give you one more story. That we had we had a a, a Common Core uh, school, public school in Detroit, Michigan. That school's valedictorian. In other words, the student who was the best student in the school. Mm-hmm. She went to Michigan State University, and now she's in remedial math classes. The valedictorian of the school is now in remedial math classes, seventh and eighth grade math, because she can't do it because Common Core did not prepare her. She was the valedictorian. She got scholarships to MSU because she was a valedictorian, and she can't even do high school work Wow! in most instances. And that's the objective here. This is exactly what they wanted to do, to, to transform school. See, here's the thing, my last comment. Grades, tests, college placement, these are all competitive things. By definition, if you have a system of grades, everyone doesn't get the same grade. Therefore, you have... You have Difference, right? 
someone gets C's and someone gets A's. That's not fair to the progressives. So get rid. So let's stop focusing on grades. Stop giving kids an education that is competitive. Huh. Stop trying to make kids better and, and smarter and more advanced. That's not fair because not all kids can do it. So let's have a situation where we get rid of com- competition altogether, stop teaching subject matter, stop giving grades, stop worrying about actual performance, and politicize kids. Because you could turn every kid into an ideologue. You can turn every kid into a libertine. You can turn every kid into a globalist. You can't turn every kid into a success in math or science. And that's the new progressive program. Wow. Dr. Duke Pesta, Freedom Project Academy, thank you so much. Uh, we could have done a, a three-hour show and, and more. But if you want to hear some of these in detail, some of these topics we discussed today, you can go to freedomproject.com, click on the Dr. Duke Show, and uh, Dr. Duke and Katie Petrick do a phenomenal job on on condensing so many of these issues and what's happening in uh, their podcast. So thank you, Dr. Duke. Happy New Year, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Dave. Talk to you soon. Same here. Bye-bye. All right, so um, so much more we could have gotten into, but I think that just gives you a little recap of some of the shocking and underreported issues in education over this last year, this year, 2019. Um I do want to mention we do have an app for those of you who have not downloaded the Stand Up For The Truth app. I was talking to a friend at church yesterday that had no idea. He listens to the show every day and he didn't know there's an app for the iPhone. So for Stand Up For The Truth, you can go right to, anyway, go download that and take us with you wherever you go. Tomorrow, Crash and I are going to talk about uh, the some of the, the well nineteen of some of the biggest stories and maybe they might be big in different areas or uh, subjects. What's been happening over the last year? This is going to be very very hard to condense. We're still working this out and narrowing down some of the topics and the stories we're going to cover tomorrow on our New Year's Eve show. And we'll wrap up today's show when we come back. Stand up for the truth. A ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Well, tomorrow, a Christian perspective on 2019 in review. We're going to talk about, uh, hopefully, 19 stories, topics, subjects that we uh, just were, maybe some of us were surprised by over this last year. Things that have been happening, whether that be in culture, in politics, government, Um, education, Hollywood, media. There's so much youth today, uh, even in uh, Christian ministries. So that's tomorrow, 2019, our last show, New Year's Eve show. Um, Happy New Year, by the way, a little in advance. 2020 is going to be a big one. Well, God bless you, and thank you so much for tuning in, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.